Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, first thing I want to do is just give a little quick update. Um, sorry for the lack of posts lately, the lack of uh, content that I've been putting up. Uh, it's not that I haven't had content to put up. It's uh, I had an incident where uh, a lot of files were really bad with really horrible sound issues, and I had to let those go and redo those. And then I also... Um, because of that, that inspired me to buy some new recording equipment. So I bought a new recorder, and that comes with its own problems, and I've been working through that. But I think we have everything squared away now. So just wanted to give you that quick little update and apologize. Um, I should be getting back on track. Um, you'll see uh, by the time by the time you hear this, you will have seen you will have seen some things pick back up, and you'll see some uh, some uh, messages, some um, you know, just just kind of my. I know these are just kind of my thoughts, my messages, my um, what what I think the Lord, what I believe the Lord is showing us in His Word. I don't know really what to call that. Um, I don't really consider myself like a huge teacher or anything, but just uh, you know, just in the things that we're talking about, and I'm trying to share with you. You'll start seeing more of that pick back up, and hopefully, hopefully, we won't have any more interruptions like this. Um, I know I probably lost a good week, and then I got a few, and then I probably lost another few days and got a few. So it's been, you know, a little, but I should be getting back into uh, uh, what my normal, you know, output is at least, you know, three or four a week, um, and then hopefully, hopefully more than that. But at least if I can get out, you know. Uh, something like three to five messages a week you know um, I'm pretty happy with that and it's really I, I hate to make it sound like I'm um, doing anything special I'm just reading and then trying to share what we can what we can read and understand from the Bible so it's really just all from God's Word in my opinion so all right so we are ready to read Galatians 5 in our last session we read Galatians 4 now Galatians is short so we're coming up on the end already um, but let's just start here in Galatians uh, well let me uh, let me roll back to Galatians 4 and just look at uh, you know remind ourselves where we were at the end at the end um, Paul was reminding us that uh, we have been spiritually transformed and renewed, and that we are not, we are not children of the slave woman, as in, as if we are under uh, the law or under bondage to the law, but we are children of the free woman in Sarah, and we are thus the descendants of Abraham, spiritually speaking, and we have freedom under the new covenant, the the law of liberty, the uh, the new covenant that Jesus brought to us. So continuing on in Galatians 5, um, Paul is going to continue to talk about that freedom in Christ. So this is Galatians 5 verse 1. It was for this freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery which you once removed. Now this was because uh, those false teachers had been coming through and basically telling them that they had to be circumcised or follow other Jewish rituals, which they didn't. Notice it is I, Paul, who tells you that if you receive circumcision as a supposed requirement of salvation, Christ will be of no benefit to you, for you will lack the faith in Christ that is necessary for salvation. 
Once more, I solemnly affirm to every man who receives circumcision as a supposed requirement of salvation that he is under obligation and required to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ if you seek to be justified, that is, declared free of the guilt of sin and its penalty, and placed in right standing with God, through the law. Meaning, if you seek to be justified through the law, then you can't, at the same time, be justified by Christ. And if you are going to follow the law, then you're going to keep the whole law. Matter of fact, you kind of null and void the idea of Jesus if, if you seek to be justified through your actions under the law. That's kind of like saying that uh, Jesus and the cross doesn't count. Alright. <clears throat> you have fallen from grace, for you have lost your grasp on God's unmerited favor and blessing. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's back up and read, the, read the, the initial part of that. I'm sorry. You have been severed from Christ if you seek to be justified, that is, declared free of the guilt of sin and its penalty and placed in right saying with God through the law. So, you've been severed from Christ if you seek to be um, justified through the law. You have fallen from grace, for you have lost your grasp on God's unmerited favor and blessing, which is what we receive through Jesus. You have fallen from grace because that's what Jesus brought us was God's grace. His unmerited favor and blessing. For we, not relying on the law, but through the strength and power of the Holy Spirit, by faith, are waiting confidently for the hope of righteousness, the completion of our salvation. For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but only faith activated and expressed and working through love. You were running the race well. Who has interfered and prevented you from obeying the truth? This deceptive persuasion is not from him who called you to freedom in Christ. A little leaven, and that means... You know, he's making that comparison like we've seen before, a little a little yeast or a little something that's in the in the dough uh, to make it rise. A little leaven and a slight inclination or to error or a few false teachers leavens the whole batch. It perverts the concept of faith and misleads the church. And that's his point. A little error, a little something wrong, you know, can you know, can can ruin the whole batch, you know, can mess up your your loaf of bread that you're making, or in this case your congregation. A little leaven can can cause issues and cause trouble and you you know that doesn't mean we want to be, you know, all Pharisees and hard nosed about everything, but you know, we do need to make sure that we're trying to follow the word of God and, and follow uh, what we're supposed to in Jesus. So a little leaven leavens the whole batch. It perverts the concept of faith and misleads the church. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view contrary to mine on the matter. And of course, the view that Paul has presented to them is the view of Jesus as our Savior and as, you know, as the other apostles. They're all presenting this view of Jesus as our Savior and how we have a new covenant. But the one who is disturbing you, whoever he is, he will have to bear the penalty. 
But as for me, brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, as I had done before I met Christ, and as some accuse me of doing now as necessary for salvation, why am I still being persecuted by Jews? In that case, the stumbling block of the cross to unbelieving Jews has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you by teaching that circumcision is necessary for salvation would even go all the way and castrate themselves. Okay, well, um, that's pretty strong, <laughs> but he's just he's just upset with these people that they have come in and they have messed and and um, given the Galatians wrong information and impressed upon them to do things that they don't need to do or that are incorrect. So he's just really frustrated with them and he's aggravated with them. For you, my brothers, were called to freedom. Only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the sinful nature, worldliness, selfishness, but through love serve and seek the best for one another. For the whole law concerning human relationships is fulfilled in one precept. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, you shall have an un unselfish concern for others and do things for their benefit. So, and that is what, when the Bible is talking about love and love for your neighbor, the word used there, especially in the New Testament, is agape, and it is a Greek word, and it means an unselfish love, and it means um, where you're looking out, it's not love like the human emotional love, it's, it's love and caring for the other person in an unselfish way where you're looking for their betterment, and you're looking to help improve their situation in an unselfish way and you're just trying to help them because that's what you want to do. You want to help them. You want to make things better for them. You want to improve things for them and you want to make things better just for their benefit to benefit them, not for any selfish or worldly gain of your own. So that is what that implies and that's probably the best description I'm going to do right now so I'm going to move on. But you notice he says that is, you shall have an unselfish concern for others and do things for their benefit. This, this is in the Amplified Bible. I apologize if I did not say that previously. But I am reading from the Amplified Bible. But if you bite and devour one another in bickering and strife, watch out that you, along with your entire fellowship, are not consumed by one another. <coughs> but I say... Walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek Him and be responsive to His guidance. And then you will carry, will certainly not carry out the desire. Okay, <clears throat> pardon me. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and His precepts. And also the sinful nature responds selfishly. It's just about us for us. For the sinful nature has its desire. <clears throat> okay, pardon me, sorry, a little foggy. For the sinful nature has its desire, which is opposed to the spirit, and the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit, are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict, so that you, as believers, do not always do whatever good things you want to do. But if you are guided and led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. Now you notice here, I want to stop there for just a moment. 
that he 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 does notice that we have you know the sinful nature and the spirit and they're in direct opposition and they're you know constantly fussing and fighting with one another and that's within us that's also without us in society and in our groups of people but also internally within each of us but he says but if you're guided and led by the spirit you are not subject to the law he doesn't say you won't have that sinful nature <laughs> he doesn't say that you won't be tempted and that you won't have these times where you still do something wrong but if you are making efforts if you are trying to be faithful to Jesus and trying to follow God and follow his way and you're led by the spirit then you are not subject to the law the penalties and the you know the death that's associated with that instead you're under grace and though you make those mistakes you can still have God's grace and get forgiveness for those things and when I say mistakes I mean I I meant in a way to some degree sin is not really a mistake sin is when we know we shouldn't do something we do it anyway but I'm gonna I'm gonna say that sometimes those are lapses in judgment maybe temptation just gets us for that moment or you know and 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 we lose that godly perspective for a moment so while I, I may say it's a mistake in a way it's not we know better but at the same time if we repent of it and feel badly <clears throat> and know we shouldn't have done it and we try to learn from that lesson you know try to learn from that experience then you know God gives us his grace and forgives us alright so now we're going to go back and this is verse 19 now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident they are sexual immorality impurity sensuality total irresponsibility lack of self-control idolatry sorcery hostility strife jealousy fits of anger disputes dissensions factions that promote heresies envy drunkenness riotous behavior and other things like these now a number of these all of us have been guilty of these even even if just you know without realizing it or didn't know it at the time um, uh, sometimes we don't realize we have a bit of an idol in, in the things that we um, maybe it's something maybe it's something that starts innocent and you you enjoy whatever that is that hobby like uh, well like when I was a kid and I read and collected comics um, but there was a time when I got older where I was investing too much money and time into that and it was it was becoming a bit of a a thing of its own and and that's you know that's never correct it's okay to you know to have something you enjoy and read as long as it's something good and you know there's there's nothing wrong with that but uh when you take it to an extreme and you're uh basically going through these uh rituals and practices which basically make it like a religion um you kind of have to stop and pull yourself back from that and say hmm is that a good thing um you know it's not talking about like daily bathing which is a good thing daily bathing is <laughs> but doing something like that like where you you must you know you must buy this you must read this you must see this and and it becomes kind of an idol to you that you worship now it's there's a difference in just enjoying something and that's okay you know you you have to judge you, god will help you and you have to figure out 
when you're going too far with something. So, um, but nonetheless, that's that's just idolatry. That's not even talking about the rest of this. I mean, sexual immorality. I mean, I'm sure we've all had that at different times, especially when we were young. Impurity, sensuality, um, total irresponsibility, lack of self-control. These things, you know. And uh, now that is in the Amplified Bible. Um, sorcery. I'm not sure what they would call sorcery. Let me see here. Um, okay, well, they, t they talk about that as being occult practices, witchcraft, worship of evil powers, and drug-induced trances. So sorcery could be, you know, as much as worshiping Satan, or it could be worshiping rocks and trees. Don't, don't worship the created. Worship the creator. Worship God. And then talks about strife, jealousy, fits of anger. We've all had that. Well, maybe maybe you're just a much better person than I, but most of us have experienced these things. Jealousy and fits of anger and strife and disputes, dissensions, factions. Factions that promote wrong learning and heresies. It says heresies here. Envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if you're practicing these things, now it's not saying that you have a momentary lapse or you you mess up and you're trying to follow God and yet maybe the temptation got to you, maybe the anger got to you, maybe something hit you wrong and you just flew off the handle for a moment. We're human. We're flawed. These things are going to happen. But when you practice these things, and it's a practice, and you do these things routinely all the time, and you just, when you're practicing these things purposefully, that's when it becomes different. That's when it's a problem. Um, each of us, in our own way, may become jealous for a moment, or may have a, a bit of anger for a moment. We may have a dispute or a dissension with someone temporarily, but we can work through those things in love and in in, uh, and in the Word, in God's Word. Okay, but now Paul's going to contrast this. Okay, he's talked about these things. These are the bad, awful things that we should not be practicing. Now he's going to talk about the good things. And it's uh, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Being patient, right, being patient is not just being able to wait. This is a, this is a good point. Because we can wait, but it's how we act while we are waiting. Do we wait in good peace and good calmness? And do we wait and say, okay, I'm waiting. I know this is going to happen, so I just need to wait for it. So I go on. I focus on other things and do other things while I'm waiting. It's not that I don't check on that pot that's boiling. You know, I don't, I, I do check, keep a check on it and I watch it. Whatever that situation is, whatever I'm waiting for, I do watch for it. But at the same time, I go on, I move on and I, I do other things while I'm waiting. And I wait in peace and in, you know, in God's will. I wait in peace and in love and I'm not all, you know, all, um, trying to think in turmoil or distressed and worried and all that because that's not good for you anyway. So kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So let's read that again. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us, that's, that's God, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, is love, unselfish concern for others. Now that's agape, like we talked about before. Joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting. You know, are we all fidgety and anxious and worried, or are we just, we're at peace, we're able to wait for that, whatever that might be, and we're, we're fine, and we're at peace, and, and happy, and enjoy while we're waiting. You know, we have true patience. That's a, that's a hard one. That can be a very hard one. Um, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. Now that is the way we are supposed to be. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. That's what we're working toward. Every day as we live and learn and go through our life, we're just gradually putting more of that sinful, bad nature, of those old practices, of these bad things, we're just gradually putting more and more of that away, tacking it up to the cross with Jesus and leaving that behind us and moving on. That may sound like a weird way to put it, but but that's that's true. That's what we're doing. I've, I've had other ways that I've said it and people didn't seem to get it, so I'm going to go with that for now. <laughs> anyway, so we're taking those things, those bits, those bad bits of our old self and our old life, and we're just putting them away. Now, sometimes we develop bad habits while we're learning and as we're going um, as a new Christian, or even as an older Christian, we realize that, oh, we've been doing this wrong, this is bad. Well, there again, there's something that I need to kind of peel off from my, my myself, my sinful nature, and I need to put that away and put that uh, back behind me and leave that at the cross, you know, uh, and move on from that. And that's what that's what we're trying to do. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, and moral courage. Our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. We must not become conceited, challenging, or provoking one another, envying one another. So let's think about this again. Uh, this is verse 25 and 26 here at the end. We're at the end of Galatians 5. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, and moral courage. Our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. We must not become conceited, challenging, or provoking one another, envying one another. It is so easy for us to fall into those same old human traps, even as Christians, where we maybe we become conceited in our knowledge, maybe we become challenging or provoking to others. Oh, you're not you're not doing this like I do or saying this the way I do and you know maybe I'm looking at this just from one way but you're provoking or challenging one another in not in a positive way <coughs> if we want to challenge or provoke one another it should be in a good positive way you know to uh, to love the Lord and to follow the Lord and then envying one another 
Well, why are we envying one another? <clears throat> what business is it of ours if this person, maybe they have more than us in some way? And it could be a physical way. It could be a, uh, um, an economic way. It could be social status. Why do we care? That's, that's not important. Don't be competitive with one another. There's no competition here on earth that's going to get you to heaven. That's, that's one thing you have to remember. And we have. There's a certain part of us as humans that want to be competitive. I'm, I'm not a big competitor myself. Okay, I do like it to a small degree. <clears throat> but I find I've never really been as competitive as, as some folks. But nonetheless, there's no competition here on earth that's going to get you to heaven. The race that Paul talks about, us running and, and following the Lord and, and trying to do the right thing and reaching the finish line, that's all a cooperative race where we're helping each other get there. We're like um, uh, a bazillion people all lumped together in one big potato sack trying to help get each other across the finish line. You know, <laughs> that we're not, it's not a race in that we're trying to beat each other out. Um, so we're trying to help one another get there. It's a race to get as many souls and as many of us as possible to heaven. All right. So <clears throat> anyway, this is the end of chapter five of Galatians. And now next we'll have uh, Galatians chapter six. I think, let me check here. I think six is the last chapter. And I, I did want to do a little summary. Now, Galatians' summary is going to be probably considerably uh, faster or shorter than the others. Yeah, there's only six chapters, so I'm going to do the sixth chapter. And then uh, after that, I will try to have a little summary. And uh, again, you can tell that Paul's main concern so far has been uh, very similar to what has happened with uh, the Corinthians and even the Romans in that some wrong teaching has gotten in there. And he's trying to clarify that. So, all right. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, God loves you.